0: Hello and welcome to Christian's Corner. This is your host, Christian Millsaps. What's up guys, it's good to be back. Today we're going to have a fun episode. We're going to talk about sports, of course, and we're going to be talking about a really special story that I'm going to start off the episode with and I think you guys will really enjoy it. I think it's a story that we need, everybody needs right now. And then we're going to finish off the episode with some tech talk and we're also going to be talking about some gaming news as well. Let's get into the episode. So obviously COVID has been affecting everyone across the world, duh Christian, we all know that. And I'm sure we all realize that we aren't the only country struggling to fight COVID and the effects it has on all of us despite us really getting hit hard at the moment. Right now those struggles are very, very, very real in the UK. They are struggling to keep their children fed and about one-fifth of households with children are going hungry during this lockdown thanks to COVID. This is especially apparent during school holidays when children aren't getting meals at school, which is something we as a nation have also faced. Just like us, the UK has struggled to find the government support to try and battle the effects of COVID and what it is doing to the families of our respective nations. Like I said, everybody is being affected by COVID right now. It's not an easy thing to deal with, whether you believe in it or not, which I strongly suggest that you do. That being said, whether you do or you don't, You have to admit that it is changing our daily lives and making it a lot harder to do things that were very easy and we took for granted. People who didn't have as many struggles are now struggling hard and people who struggled hard are struggling even harder and that's especially apparent to these underprivileged families and what makes this most sad to me is these children, they don't have a choice. They're so dependent on everybody around them and The coronavirus is affecting them very hard. If it's hard to get food already, COVID has made that 10 times harder, and now children are struggling to find meals, even more so than they were pre-COVID. By now, you're probably wondering, why in the world, Christian, are you talking about UK politics and what it has to do with anything I talk about on this podcast? This is where I introduce you to Marcus Rashford, a 23-year-old star from Manchester United, a soccer team in Manchester, England. Hungry children is a cause near and dear to his heart. He did say, I know what it feels like to be hungry. That is why back in June, he kicked off his campaign to fight for the children of England and get them the meals that they deserved. No one, especially children, deserve to go hungry. It is completely out of their control. They're entirely dependent on people, their caregivers, whether it be mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever, whomever they are, and the government that is supposed to protect them. Rashford knows how that feels, and he wanted to make sure children who were already struggling to get food outside of school weren't in a worse spot because of this pandemic. In June, his campaign actually worked, and the UK government worked with him and ensured every child would be fed during the summer break. A 23-year-old, well, at the time, he hadn't turned 23 yet, 22-year-old soccer player who could have done whatever he wanted made it his mission to work with the government and make sure that kids were getting fed. And obviously his efforts did not go unnoticed. Not only were families and children's lives changed because of what he was able to do, but also the queen took note of his actions. And now he is Sir Marcus Rashford and he got the credit where credit is due. And it's just an incredible story, but it doesn't stop there. Summer break was eventually over and school started back up. And, well, the, the government decided they no longer wanted to keep that going for their children. So on October 21st, the government of Prime Minister Boris Johnson orders its lawmakers to vote down the change. Why? I, I can't tell you. Well, I don't really know much about UK politics, so I definitely can't answer that. But I don't see why. Obviously, I know it takes funding. Uh, but this is an important thing that needs to be kept going. And Marcus Rashford Obviously, agreed with that. He said, this is not politics, this is humanity, and he couldn't be more right. I don't care what the politics are, I don't care what's going on, we have to make sure that children who have no control of what's going on are being fed. But luckily, that wasn't the end of it. Despite the government letting its people down, restaurants and different organizations across the UK rallied in support of Rashford and his desire to make sure children aren't going to bed starving tweets started flying in, and I'll tell you, it it truly was incredible to see the influx of tweets from different restaurants around the UK saying that they would be providing free meals for children or organizations would be donating money. It was going on all across the the UK. Rashford was retweeting like crazy, making sure the word was being spread. Whatever the restaurant was, he was like, okay, at this time through this week, during your first break during school, The government might not be providing food, but other restaurants will be. Make sure you get the information out to your friends and family. One restaurant called Frankie and Benny's tweeted, We've pledged for 5,000 free meals, and so far I've had just over 800 quests and happy kids. So I have plenty more to share. Help us get the word around. That is just one of the many that pledged to do their part. Rashford, Obviously was incredibly moved by what his country did to make sure kids were being fed. He was even more moved by the children who decided to try and raise money themselves. From a boy named Freddy, 10 years old, who walked 20,000 steps to raise money for his local food bank, to others who packed lunches themselves and took them to people around their neighborhood and friends that they knew. And he didn't stop there. He petitioned to make the government continue to feed children. And it kept getting signatures after signature after signature. It took a while, but thanks to his fellow citizens, the UK government decided on Sunday that they needed to continue to provide free meals during holiday breaks for children in school. Rashford and his he- fellow people did exactly what they set out to do. A footballer, I know, I know, not a footballer, sorry, it's a soccer player, whatever, who makes millions of dollars, who is idolized by millions, used his fame to help others. He sets an example for much older athletes all across the world, that when you are in a position like he is, you have to use it to make a difference in the world around you, especially in a time like this when everybody is struggling, no matter how much money you have and no matter where you are in the world. This is what sports are about and this is what I love about sports. Anything that he does from this point on, on a soccer pitch will never, never live up to what he has done off of it. I don't care if he wins England a World Cup, which would be pretty incredible, Rallying people to feed hungry children and putting his government in a position that was impossible to say no to, that is what he will be remembered for. For the man he is, not the player he is. That being said, he is extremely talented and he's coming off of his first career hat trick for United. But the man that he is, is what makes him an unforgettable and incredible person. I saw one Liverpool fan tweet, he's going to be the first United player to ever be chanted for at Anfield. Which uh, would be cool if they actually had fans there, but once fans get there, I imagine he will be cheered for, and rightfully so. We all need to take a page from his book and try and make a positive change wherever we are, whomever we are, big or small. Again, I love sports. I love watching an incredible goal, or an amazing three-point shot to beat the buzzer, or a great touchdown catch, but it's stuff like this that I think this is where sports shine. Even if you don't like sports, even if you don't know anything about soccer, in this moment, you like Marcus Rashford now because he's making a difference and a big one at that, and it's pretty incredible at his age. I mean, the guy's just three years older than I am. I wish I was making a change like that, and I, I wish I was playing soccer at a level like that, but that's neither here nor there. This is what we need right now, more stories like this. There's plenty of bad news going around the world right now, whether it be here in the United States or any other country around the world. Marcus Rashford, sorry, Sir Marcus Rashford, has given us something to be happy about, to have hope about, and to just celebrate. Let's make a difference together. Now, on a less serious note, I want to talk about Chelsea like I tend to do, but I love them, so I'm going to do it. Despite making some big transfers that I talked about earlier in a couple of episodes, we really started off very poorly. We didn't have an identity. Defensively, we were very poor. We still hadn't made a transition to our new keeper, Eduardo Mindy, who has made a major impact on our team and has helped us significantly. Just all around, he's more confident than Keppa is, and no offense to Keppa, I think he's still a talented guy, and I think he still has a future but unfortunately, I don't think that future is at Chelsea. His confidence is completely shot, and he has just made too many mistakes, and I just think that the majority of the Chelsea fan base just don't even look at him anymore. I personally would love to see him be able to stay with us and and thrive at some point, because he's still fairly young, 26. And that's pretty young for a goalkeeper. I mean, they can play well into their late 30s, unlike other positions in in soccer Uh, but Ed Waterman has made a major change for us defensively lately we have looked a lot better we've looked much more confident on the ball Um, we actually are playing with a purpose passing with a purpose Uh, we're a much more fluid team and Timo Werner is finally hitting the ground running for us it's been an incredible change from him starting off the season very slowly and now he's just banging in goals for us and making a major difference we flipped the script. Uh, points are coming in, we're scoring goals, we're keeping goals out, and the confidence and the the hope for the rest of the season is very high, whereas at the beginning of the season, there was a big split between Chelsea fans. Some were hopeful, some were very disappointed, some wanted to fire our manager, some didn't. I was a a part of the, I don't want to fire the manager, because like I talked about in the last episode, firing a manager, coach, whatever... Uh, Isn't always a positive change. So it's very good that we've been able to stick with him. And I think he is proving all of his haters wrong. Frank Lampard has really done a great job of rallying these guys together, making better selections for the starting 11. And it looks like tactically, we are a much more sound team, which is very exciting because again, I'm feeling good about where we are. Coming off of a big three zero win in the champions league, And right now we're at the top of our table in the Champions League and we're in fifth place in the Premier League right now, which is very good. Obviously we could be a bit higher, but considering where we are at this point in the season compared to the beginning of the season, we were really struggling to make sure that teams weren't scoring. And if they weren't scoring, well, then we were struggling to score ourselves. So regardless of how well we were defending in the game, attacking wise, we weren't meeting the standards that we needed to be meeting. A lot of our players are really starting to pick up. Hakeem Ziyech has finally been able to be inserted into the starting lineup after getting off of his injury. And it's just really exciting. The team's looking great, and the future is very, very, very bright for Chelsea. And I'm excited to see what we can do for the rest of the season. In other soccer news, Ansu Fati is Spanish winger for Barcelona, just 17 years of age, right? This guy hasn't graduated high school and he's playing with Lionel Messi at a very, very high level. Well, he's had a very promising season. He's playing very well, uh, but he just tore his ACL. So he'll be out for about four months, give or take. So that's a big blow, not only to Barcelona, who this, this summer, they just had a very, very bad summer. Messi wanted to leave. They lost Luis Suarez. The team just doesn't look like they are where they need to be and even despite the fact that they were able to keep Messi he has been playing really poorly right now whether it be because he doesn't want to be at Barcelona whether it's his age is catching up to him whatever the reason is his level of play just hasn't been what we expected it to, what we expect it to be since his entire career so this blow to the team is is really really big because he's been a major component fatty that is Of Barcelona this season and not only is it a major blow to Barcelona but anytime you see a player go down with a major injury not only is that very disappointing for for him personally or her uh, but also it affects a major injury affects your life outside of whatever sport you participate in you got to adjust things and the healing process is very very Um, frustrating and annoying and Virgil van Dijk a Liverpool player who also tore his ACL uh, apparently one of his teammates not only on Liverpool but also the Dutch national team said he's going through hell right now he's really struggling to process the injury to deal with the injury and he's just frustrated at where he is right now and ACL injuries in any sport are very hard to overcome because the likelihood of you tearing it again are significant so especially for a guy like Fatih, compared to Van Dijk, who's 29, he's played, he's had a long career, is just getting started. So to be this young and to have an injury like that, that's really disappointing. And I hope he heals as best as possible and that he's not rushed back onto the field. So that way, he has a long career that isn't injury-prone. And Liverpool once again dealt a blow. As I said, Van Dijk, he tore his ACL a couple weeks ago. That's old news. But Trent... Alexander Arnold, a young English right back for them, has a calf injury after playing against City and they're not quite sure how long he'll be out for. Estimated return is about December but he's going to miss some key fixtures for them. A game against Leicester, Adelana in the Champions League, Brighton and he may or may may not be ready for the December 1st match against Ajax. These types of injuries are just showing a, a more underlying problem which is the fact that athletes are having to return with a shortened off-season with limited rest, uh, these these injuries we're going to see become more apparent in all sports. And that's something that a a lot of pro sports are worried about right now is because these athletes haven't had the typical rest period that they would, you know, pre-COVID. So um, that's something that a lot of coaches are worried about, and it's something that I think, As fans, we're going to have to just expect more and more injuries, especially fine tissue injuries, are are going to really start to happen. And that's unfortunate for the athletes, for the teams, and for the fans, because if you lose key players, that's unfortunate. Um, It's the least important thing in the grand scheme of life, but, you know, as a fan, it is unfortunate. Uh, So I hope that different trainers and team doctors can figure out a way to make sure that their athletes are staying as healthy as possible for the coming weeks and months which that actually brings me to my next topic the NBA just voted for a 72 game season which is obviously down from their normal 82 and the reason they did this as I imagine you can guess is to make sure that athletes are staying healthy that they're not having to play such a long season and also to make sure that the 2021 2022 season starts at a normal time Adam Silver was hoping for a December restart for the new NBA season. But that is looking less and less likely. He wants to make sure that all these guys are having the most rest that they possibly can, while also being able to start the season at a decent time so that it won't affect next season. Um, Well, I guess the season after next season, or however you want to word that or think about it. Either way, I think that's a really smart move. 10 games will statistics be a little different for next season? Yes, but statistics were vastly different for this season playing way less than 82. So, I think it's a good move by the NBA and I think it's something that well, soccer's already started, football's obviously already started, but I'll talk about that more cuz it looks like they might change some things as well, the NFL that is. Um it, it'll be interesting cuz I think it's a good move. I think it'll make the players not only have more time to rest They'll also not have to play as many games, but also, again, it'll make sure that the timetable for the 2021 season start will be more normal, uh, which would be great, because having a third season be affected by all of this would be frustrating for the players, for the fans, for the coaches, and from a business standpoint, I imagine the NBA would would not like that in their bank account, not like they're taking a big hit in money anyways. Well, they are, but they're still making an absurd amount of money, so I I don't feel bad for them necessarily, but I think it's a good move. Now you move on to the NFL. Their season has already started, obviously, but they're running into a lot of problems with staff and players getting COVID. It's really affecting the way the season is going because games are having to be postponed. Key players are missing out. It's just a mess right now, and they're not doing a good enough job. Obviously, the NBA is a special situation. They were able to play the entire playoffs and finish off the regular season in a hotel. The NFL can't do that. You can't have a bunch of football games going on in a hotel. That's just not sustainable. It's not possible. But it would be nice if they could get their players to take it a little more seriously Or for whatever reason. These guys are contracting COVID at a high rate. You, they have to do a better job of managing, and since they haven't so far, they've already had a meeting this week that they decided that if the regular season is voided from here on out, that they will add two postseason teams to make it a little more, uh, I guess, fair is the thinking, um, because right now it's still wide open, we're, we're just halfway through the season, some teams still we have some clear playoff teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they have not lost a game yet. That's a clear playoff team. But then you've got teams in the middle of the pack where it's it's not very divided right now because, again, we've played eight games. So the middle of the pack is still closely contested, and that will make it harder to kind of judge who's in the playoffs, who's out. The reseeding will be differently. or Well, they will reseed the teams, um, and they'll add a team to each, well, two teams, to the playoff format so that it's a little bit more fair for for the the middle-of-the-pack teams uh, to have a chance to actually make it to the playoffs. Now, this isn't a guarantee that this will happen or that it will go through. This is just basically a contingency plan just in case they get to the point where they have to end regular season. And considering that they're already looking at their options, eh, for NFL fans, unfortunately, it does not look good. They're not looking any better at containing this virus. I mean, we're only 11 days into November, and already 15 players so far have tested positive for the virus. Now, that's not an insane number, but considering how contagious this disease is, or this virus rather, uh, it's already showing that it spreads very easily through the NFL, and players are catching it very easily, like everybody else in the world is. So, we the the nfl is really trying to be careful with what's going on right now they've even voted to add an 18th week to the nfl season for any makeup games that were canceled for any games that were canceled so that they could make them up and, and try and finish that 16 game schedule they've already canceled the pro bowl which i honestly couldn't care less the pro bowl is kind of boring so they're they're really trying to make sure that they are fitting everything in that they can, everything that is necessary, and adding a playoff team to each conference the n f c and the a f c which is even more interesting because they had already expanded the playoff field to fourteen going into the season again to make it a little more fair for teams trying to adjust to this crazy new scheduling to this crazy new situation that we have. Uh, thanks to COVID-19. So the NFL, they're really trying to make things work and that's cool, but I don't know. Um, I feel bad for them, but at the same time, I wonder why they're struggling so hard. I mean, you look at European soccer, there's a much broader geographic, uh, size, I would say all across Europe and they're handling COVID very well. No outbreaks have really happened. Teams haven't had to cancel games. Maybe a player here or there is out, like Kai Averts was out for Chelsea for a while because of a COVID-19 positive test, but that's basically it. A player gets it, and then he misses some games. The NFL has already had five teams back in October who had to miss, you know, some games or at least push them back because there was just such an outbreak of COVID among the locker room, so it's interesting I don't know why they're struggling so much. I hope that they can get under control and finish the season normally. Um, but who knows? We'll see. And another NFL news, which this one to me I think is even more important, I would say, even though it has nothing to do with COVID, it doesn't have anything to do with this season, but it's a very interesting, quote-unquote, attempt to step in the right direction for the NFL. For those of you who don't know, the NFL in the spring started throwing around ideas that teams would get incentives if they developed minority coaches or executives and then that minority coach or executive got hired as a head coach or a major role in, in an NFL front office. But the owners decided, you know, This isn't something we want to prioritize right now, so let's push it back. We're not going to vote on it until later. Well, Tuesday, when they looked at the change for the playoff schedule, or at least how many teams would be in the playoffs this year if more games are canceled due to COVID, they also voted, finally, on this minority hiring rule. And, well, they they passed it. So now... They approved a resolution to reward teams with draft picks if one of their minority coaches or personnel people is hired to be a head coach or a general manager. Now I'm not going to give my opinion on this because one, I'm not a minority and two, I don't work in the NFL. So really my opinion doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you that that is what is passed. You can decide whether you agree with that or you don't, whether that's progress or whether that's whatever, insert whatever word you think that is. Um, I don't know if it's a step in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see what players, what uh, media personnel say, and what executives and coaches say about this. Minority executives and coaches, how they feel about what this means for them. Is it good? Do they like it? Do they hate it? What does this mean? Um, it'll be again. It'll be interesting to hear those opinions. I look forward to hearing them because um, it's it's an interesting move. Um, I don't. Personally, I don't know if it's the right one But I could be totally wrong now that we've talked about some sports. I want to talk about some tech and specifically the Xbox Series X and The PS5 so Xbox released their new console Tuesday November 10th, and I'm just gonna tell you it is it looks truly incredible I don't own one um, one, I think the desi- the the design aesthetic looks fantastic, especially for the more expensive Xbox Series X. It it looks just gorgeous. It's it's minimalistic. It's a more vertically oriented console, so it kind of looks like a desktop PC, but not nearly as large. So I think it looks really clean, and I like the aesthetic. The Xbox Series S, which is the cheaper version, coming in at about three hundred dollars pre tax. Its aesthetic is not as nice, but it's 300 bucks. You're getting it for cheaper. Hey, why the heck not? That's probably the one I would go for, even though the other one looks nicer. That's neither here nor there. But the most exciting thing about this are the photos that you were seeing from in game shots, right? Obviously, developers of video games published a lot of videos about these next-gen video games, but that you always have to take with a grain of salt. You're not always getting actual gameplay, you're getting footage of uh, trailers and stuff, which of course the graphics in a trailer are gonna look significantly better, most likely, than the actual gameplay goes when you buy the game. Trailers are developed, very, very, they're expensive, they're developed very highly by creative professionals, and they are worked on very hard, as is the game, obviously. But when you actually play the game, the graphics are probably going to be a little worse than what the trailer was. That's not really the case here for these next-gen consoles. NBA 2K21 and FIFA 21 look absolutely stunning. The players, I showed a photo to my dad. He didn't know what he was looking at. I just showed him a photo of LeBron. He was like, why does he look angry? Because he kind of had a an like, angry expression. And I was like, that's a video game. And he was blown away. Now, maybe my 57-year-old father is not the best example, but I have to agree with him. It is truly incredible. And by the way, that's not an insult to my father. I'm just making a joke. It looks truly incredible. Obviously, we haven't been able to see what the PS5 is going to bring to us and how it's going to be able to stack up against the Xbox, but it comes out this Friday, the 13th. And I mean, I have high hopes, as I would think anybody does, and if you're in the market to buy a new console, honestly, I wouldn't recommend either. It's up to personal preference. My biggest talk selling point rather, for either console would be the pricing. Because both consoles are going to deliver very, very great graphics. A significant improvement from the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. They truly look incredible, and they have gotten closer to PC gaming standards. Not caught up, but they are getting better. Console graphics have made a massive leap this year, and it's it's incredible. I'm really excited to see consoles pushing the breaking point and really trying to compete with PC gaming. Now, PC gaming in a very particular place. It'd be really, really hard for consoles, regardless of what tech is in it, to be able to compete with a PC when you can make a $5,000 PC and spec it out however you want to. It's hard to compete with that. Now, compared $500 to $5,000, I'd say that's a pretty good price difference for a marginal difference in in uh, graphics quality and performance. Well, depending on what you're spec, I guess $5,000 PC would blow away eh, even the new consoles, but again, that's not what we're here to talk about. Now, back to the point I was talking about is the pricing for both consoles. At the high end of each console, Sony's best offering for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox, Microsoft Xbox's highest offering, are the same price. They're both coming in at $500, which pretty much everyone expected. It's a decent price point, I would say, Uh, If you're going to buy it and you have the money, you're going to get your money's worth. They're both incredible. They're an amazing jump from what the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 were and are. They're definitely worth the upgrade, again, if you have the money to fork out. But those aren't the only options. PlayStation is giving a digital edition, which will come with no hard disc drive so if you want to play blu-ray movies you're not going to want the digital edition because you're not going to have anywhere to put a disc and as someone who doesn't use discs and buys all of their games off of either the playstation store or i just buy a code and download it however you want to do it i don't really need a disc so getting the 399 dollars playstation 5 digital edition is totally worth it to me All of my content that I watch, whether it be a movie or a show, I stream. So I don't need to put a disc anywhere. And I don't buy any hard copies of video games anymore. So that's a great option for me. And it's $100 cheaper. So heck yeah, I'm totally in it. It'll work the same. It's just as powerful as the PlayStation 5. You're just basically paying $100 for a Blu-ray player, I guess. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Then if you look at the Xbox, this is where... For me where I would recommend and why I would recommend the Xbox. Like I said, the Xbox Series X is going to come in at the same price as the PlayStation 5 at $4.99, but Xbox's cheaper version, the Xbox Series S, is going to come in at 299 dollars So instead of a $100 price cut, you're getting a $200 price cut, okay, why? Why 200 instead of 100 well just like the PlayStation digital edition you're not going to get that 4k ultra HD blu-ray player alright so why is PlayStation only taking hundred and Microsoft taking 200 well here's the differences the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 digital edition have the same exact specs their GPU power their RAM the same GPU with the same clock speeds, the same CPU with the same clock speeds, the same storage, and you're going to be able to play games at four up to eight K, up to one hundred and twenty FPS. That's incredible, right? The Xbox Series X, you're going to be able to target four K, sixty X, sixty FPS, and up to eight K also up to 120 frames per second and just to note the 120 frames per second you're not going to be able to do on 8k obviously and 4k you will not be able to do that either but now i get back to the xbox series s unlike playstation the xbox series s is actually taking a fairly large performance hit which is why they're shaving another 200 dollars off in terms of storage instead of getting a 1 terabyte PCIe Gen 4 NVMe SSD you're getting only 512 gigabytes so you're still getting a super fast SSD but half of that storage is being taken away which means if you want to have a lot of games you're going to need to buy one of their 1 terabyte expansion cards which from memory they're like $200 so would you rather have that 1 terabyte already and maybe not have to upgrade, or be have that, half of that taken away, and then fork out another $200, which at that point you might as well just buy the Series X. they are also, for performance targets, you're going to get 1440p at 60fps, and up to 120 frames per second in 1080p gaming. You're not going to get 4K, you're not going to get 8K, or anywhere close to that, so if you're really looking to play 4K at 60fps, the Xbox Series S is not for you. RAM, you're also going to be getting 6 less gigabytes. The Xbox Series X and both PlayStations have 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. The Xbox Series S only has 10. GPU power, you're taking, uh, you're taking a pretty big hit here in GPU power. Whereas the Xbox Series X has 12.15 teraflops of power, uh, the Series S only has... 4 so that's only a quarter sorry math that's only a third of the power you'd get in the series x which is by the way more than both playstations so you're taking a big performance hit your gpu is also going to be less powerful by 0.3 gigahertz clock speed and your cpu is going to be less powerful with only a two point gigahertz clock speed difference So yes, you're getting a major performance downgrade, but you also have to ask yourself what is most important to you. If you're not loyal to Sony, if you're not loyal to Microsoft, and you're just trying to get your most bang for your buck, I'd still recommend the Series S. Because if you're looking at that price difference and you're trying to save as much money, you're probably not worried about playing up to 8K, and you probably don't have an 8K TV or monitor lying around your house. So, only having 1440p? Probably not that big of a deal to you. You're still going to be able to play games, all the ones that you'd be able to play on the Series X, with the same amount of speed, with the same amount of performance. Again, you're just not going to be able to run it at 4K. So, I guess the performance isn't the same for all games, but I wouldn't be playing at 4K anyways. So, for me personally... I couldn't care less that the, the both PlayStations and the Series X gives you up to 8K. I don't have an 8K TV. I don't want to go buy one because that would cost basically both my legs, and I'm not about that. So 1080p up to 120 frames per second. Yeah, Series S would do perfectly fine for me. So if you're purely looking at pricing, I'd recommend the Series S. I'm not going to get either because I'm trying to build a PC because that's way more important to me. So I'm saving up for that, I don't care about buying one of these consoles right now, at some point I probably will, and at some point hopefully I'll have both, but who knows, that's a lot of money and I, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. But I'm trying to build a PC so I'm not in the market for these, but I would probably buy the series as purely because of the price difference. Now if I was going to go off of which games were, exclusive games were more important to me. I'd buy the PS5. If you're someone who wants to play the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, you're not going to want to buy either one of the Xboxes because that game's never going to be on the Xbox. Then again, if you're a Halo guy, you're not going to be able to buy the PS4 because you're not going to be playing Halo on the PS... Sorry, the PS5. You're not going to be playing Halo on the PS5. So you also have to keep in mind what game is more important to you. But if you're not loyal to either brand, you don't really care about the exclusive games, then, I'd say save a little bit of money, two hundred bucks, go for it. You also got to keep in mind though, do you want that four K Blu Ray player? So there are different things to keep in mind. But from a term, from a solely price point, the Series S for me is the winner. Um, the graphics look fantastic; they're still going to blow your mind. Uh, that is to say though, if you're okay with running at max fourteen forty p which I would be totally fine with because I don't even have a 1440p monitor, so I couldn't care. But you just want to keep those in mind. Now that we've talked about the tech side, let's move on to the gaming side. The much-anticipated title for this year, probably the most-anticipated title for 2020, is Cyberpunk 2077, a game that, one, has Keanu Reeves, for people who love Keanu Reeves, and, two, the graphics are just going to blow people's socks off. Not only on these next-gen co- consoles, but also on PC. That is, if you have a PC that can absolutely just crank out performance because my laptop, for example, which is all I have right now, I could play this game, but I'd be playing it on very low settings because if I wanted to play it on high settings, I'd probably blow up my laptop. So I prefer not to do that. If you have a really powerful PC though, this game is going to look incredible. And again, if you love Keanu Reeves, He's playing a pretty big part in it. But the game looks incredible. It's going to be an amazing title. It's obviously set in the future. If you don't know about it, I suggest you go read up on it. I'm not here to talk about the game specifically, but more the fact that it once again got delayed. This isn't the first time that it's happened. This isn't the second time that it's happened. But three times it has been delayed, and that's been very frustrating. They just recently pushed it back to December 10th which the first couple of delays it was not that big of a deal they kept basically they keep saying the same rhetoric for each delay the game is finished but we're delaying it because we want to make sure that we put the finishing touches on wait what what do you mean it's finished but you want to put finishing touches on well we just want to make sure that the game is as best as it can be when it's dropped that it's not eh? it's good but we need to release a couple updates to make sure you're getting the best game possible. That's fair. I understood it the first couple of times, but they're continuing to do it, and it's getting a little frustrating, and now there are rumors circulating that the game will be pushed back all the way to January. Cyberpunk, the developers came out and said, no, that will not be happening. December 10th is the date, but apparently there is talk, and I say apparently, and I stress that word significantly, because there's no proof, but there is a major rumor that it's looking like it will be delayed to January, so if you're really looking forward to buying Cyberpunk, uh, well, you're gonna have to wait till December 10th, you'll still get it for Christmas if that is your wish, unless these rumors about it being pushed back till January are true. I respect that the company is trying to do all they can to make sure that the game is perfect, and I, I know that, A game like this, not that I'm an engineer or a game developer or anything close to that, I get that it takes a long time. I can understand that. And especially this game, the acting that was involved, the scripts that were involved, the work by the game developers to make sure that the graphics were optimized for both of the new consoles and the old consoles and PC, etc., etc., etc. I know that takes time. But it is getting a little frustrating and more and more people are starting to really, really make that clear to the developers. And what's even more sad to me though is I kept seeing on Twitter people (laughs) tweeting at the makers of Cyberpunk saying, I've already taken my day off and I've changed it multiple times to make sure I can play this game. When are we going to actually have this game? And I was like, okay, I love video games, but like, well, I'll be on break, so it doesn't really matter. I don't work during break. So that's besides the point. People are taking off work to play a game. I love video games, but I've never done that. So that's interesting to say, and a lot of those people are getting very frustrated because, well, you can only take so many days off. So that's interesting to see how that's playing out, but either way, I'm very excited about this game. I hope that they're able to keep the December 10th date. Uh, Because that's a game I definitely want to get my hands on. That being said, guys, this has been a good episode. I'm glad that I got to come back and share this with you all. I hope you guys are staying safe, most importantly. And making sure that you are following rules. And again, staying safe. You need to keep your family safe. And before I say goodbye to you all, I would encourage you all to try and donate to a charity of your choosing during this holiday season. Whether it be Cancer Research um, hunger, whatever you want it to be, I encourage you to donate something, even if a little bit, but that being said, guys, you guys have a great rest of your week, stay safe, be kind, peace out.